Hello, this is Matthew Steinfeld, pastor of the International Church of Vilnius. Since we are not able to meet in person, we hope that this reading and sermon are a blessing to you this Advent season. We wish you a Merry Christmas as we celebrate the coming of God to the world and eventually His return. God bless you. The context of the story in Mark 13 is one of the end times. It's uh, a time of expectation. And uh, the context is about when the temple will be destroyed. Because Jesus points at at the temple and says, uh, 
these stones will, will not be on top of each other. They'll be brought down, which causes the, uh, the disciples to question Jesus. When is this going to happen? When will these things occur? And if you remember, the temple is the, the center and, and the focus of the Jewish religion. That is where they go to meet God. That is where God is said to be in their presence. That's where they sacrifice. That's where they gather to sing. And so if the temple is going to be destroyed, the people are wondering, the disciples are asking Jesus, is this going to be an invasion? Is this going to be another exile of the Jewish people? Are we in trouble? How are we going to, to resist this? So the context is one of concern. Um, this morning, Jesus, as he comes in Christmas, and as we reflect on Christmas and what he's done for us, he warns us of difficult times that might cause us to be deceived as we look for relief. But be on your guard as you trust in Christ. So the disciples were in danger of being deceived because they were afraid of Jesus' words. They were afraid that something bad was coming to them, and so they asked the question, when will these things happen? What will be the sign? Please tell us. So maybe they're looking for help and trying to figure out how they should respond to these terrible events that are coming in the future. Now it starts in verse 3, our reading, when Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives. One interesting thing about the Gospels and other parts of the Bible in the New Testament is that there's often uh, pictures or uh, depictions of characters doing things that represent something that's much bigger than what's actually taking place. Jesus here is sitting on the Mount of Olives. Jesus is on the mountain, sitting. The picture of Jesus sitting on the mountaintop is a theme that, that we can trace all the way back even to Mount Sinai where God visits people on the mountaintop. The temple is on the top of Mount Zion where God sits, where God rests. The picture of Jesus sitting on the mountain speaking to his disciples reflects where he is to this day at the right hand of God in control, in power, with the ability not only to forgive sins, but to give us the power of God Himself through the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is sitting at the Mount of Olives, and they're concerned. They have a curiosity. They have a need. We mentioned exile, invasion, the destruction of their temple. The first thing that probably came to their mind was, is it going to be by the Romans? We have this occupation of people here that, that are not Jewish, that do not care about what we believe. We have a conflict of kingdoms, you see. A kingdom that follows Caesar and the Jewish kingdom that follows Yahweh, or the one true God. But Jesus warns out, warns them. He says, he says watch out that no one deceives you. And the reason why he says to watch out that no one deceives you is because when difficult times come, it may cause us to seek things that deceive us, that promise that they're going to be the answer, 
as we look for relief. But Jesus warns them to be on their guard as they trust and follow him as disciples. So he says, watch out that no one deceives you in verse 5. Verse 6, many will come in my name. In other words, representing Jesus, claiming maybe to be uh, godlike, maybe claiming to be a prophet, maybe claiming to be divine. Many will come in my name claiming I am he. See, the thing is, we may not get a bunch of people coming down the street or on TV claiming to be God. Because I think they'd be easily dismissed as, as people who, who maybe are unwell or maybe are delusional. But in our society, especially in the time of Christmas, as we anticipate uh, the holidays and what Christmas has become in many parts of the West and even in the East in Lithuania, something that represents maybe not Christ or God or claims to be divine, but maybe something that claims to be the answer. The Messiah was a figure, a divine figure in the Jewish scriptures that represented God's justice, that represented God coming to the earth or coming to the Jewish people and making things right. We may not have people claiming to be God amongst us, but we have many things amongst us claiming to be the answer. The last couple of weeks we've been reflecting upon Advent and the coming of Christ. Let me ask you a question. What is your answer? What is the answer to the problems that you face? What is your hope? What is your Messiah? What is the thing that you seek that is meant in your mind and in your intention to make things right? Because Jesus warns of, war, of, of hard times. Our temples may not be, be de being destroyed. Our buildings, our church building may not be on the verge of destruction. But Jesus warns of difficult times and he says that it may cause us to seek things that cause us to be deceived in the search of our relief from these events or things. But be on your guard as we trust in Christ. So verse 7 says, Wars and rumors, do not be alarmed. You know, these events that Jesus is talking about is um, are actual wars. They're wars between countries. Uh, he mentioned exile before, which involves occupation, invasion. They're, they're facing the Roman government at the time. What he's talking about is kingdom versus kingdom. And in the same way, we may not see people walking down the street claiming to be God that are that out to trick us. We may not also see hand-to-hand uh, -hand combat or warfare in our countries. But we see a different type of warfare. We see a different type of kingdom versus kingdom. A kingdom of heaven, a kingdom of Christ, and the kingdom of this earth. The kingdom of, of darkness, the kingdom of maybe self. That is an opposition to God and an opposition to Christ from time to time, which is why we confess what kingdom are you in? What kingdom do you fight for? So many of us, especially today, find ourselves on either one side of some type of argument. Maybe it's, maybe it's commercial. You're at work and you have a, 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 a clique or, or people at work that, 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 are, that are against each other. 
When you wake up in the morning, you're maybe not thinking about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of evil, but maybe you're thinking, how are things going to play out at work today between me and my opponent? Maybe it's familial, especially in the time of the holidays when we go over to family's house. And, and sometimes these, these events, these celebrations, these times to get together are not uh, peaceful. Maybe your kingdom in this season that's, that's in battle is you against another person in your family. Maybe it's political. Maybe you see someone across the aisle as everything about them is wrong and everything about me is right and you feel some sense of pride or superiority to someone else. Maybe it's racial. Maybe it's someone's culture or background or the color of their skin that causes you to be against them. Maybe it's financial. Maybe your biggest concern is about how you can build your kingdom financially in order to protect yourself, in order to give yourself security. Or maybe it's social, someone else in your midst, whether it's in your family or work, or maybe someone on the street. You see, we have these competing kingdoms that we align ourselves with and we go to battle against our opponents. Jesus is warning about this. There's gonna be warfare who is your enemy? Because he says this is the beginning. This is the beginning of the end when we start to see these battles. Who is our enemy? Who, what kingdom are we aligning with that we're fighting against? In the, in the attempt to make things okay. In the, the attempt to make sure that we are secure when hard times come. We may not be fight, facing people claiming to be God walking amongst us. We may not be experiencing war, but we have these diversions or things that promise to be the answer, and we have ongoing battles, whether within us or amongst us, that cause us to look for answers. So he says in verse 21, at that time, at that time when you're experiencing those things, there's going to be people that are going to say, look, here is the Messiah. There is the Messiah. Here is the answer for your problems. There is the answer. It doesn't take long to turn on the television and see these types of promises. You can get this. It's always a guarantee. And it starts with the question, are you missing this? Because if you are, we have the answer for you. It's a very, very good strategy to get someone deceived to thinking that that's the answer to their issue. Jesus warns of times to come, difficult times where we are going to have the tendency to look for answers and relief. And these types of situations may cause us to be deceived because we're seeking relief in things that don't bring relief. Jesus warns us to guard our hearts and minds as we trust in Christ. So he says in verse 22, do not believe in it. These false messiahs are everywhere. And they're not always noticeable. They're not always uh, the, the red person with the pitchfork with horns coming out of their head where we can see them automatically as bad. They're persuasive, verse 21 says. They're persuasive in their ability, which means they're powerful and they're able to deceive. The things that deceive you and the things that deceive me 
are usually very subtle. They happen over time. They build over time to where it changes our perspective. We're not going to wake up one day and want to steal someone's money or, 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 or hurt someone maybe. But gradually we may feel a sense of superiority over someone else. We may sense that we're right and someone else is always wrong. Or that we couldn't possibly be guilty in this situation. Or maybe I'm dealing with stress and so it's okay to, to have secrets from my spouse. Or to drink too much or to partake in drugs that, that maybe my, I had a prescription for, but maybe my prescription ran out, but I'm still seeking those types of drugs. Whatever it is, whatever we seek, they're powerful deceptions that happen slowly over time. We might be convinced by them. The thing, the thing about these deceptions is that it's not going to look like a cult. It's not going to look like some obvious, negative, harmful thing, but it's a culture. It's a culture that we cultivate that leads us down this path. So verse 23, he says, be on your guard. Why should we be on our guard against these things? Because Christ has told us everything, all that we need to know. As we reflect on Christmas this season, these weeks, Christ has told us, he's brought us himself, he's given us the answer to our relief. And it's not always about, it's not always about the symptoms. It's not always about taking care of the things that trouble us, but rather getting to the root of the problem. Christ is sitting on the Mount of Olives in the story, but he's sitting on the mountaintop now as the ruler of the universe, given that authority by God. He says, be on your guard. The one who is on the throne is the one who fights for you. It's the one that came 2,000 years ago as a baby to give himself. Be on your guard. Everything that we need to know about God has been revealed to us through Christ. Now we think about Christmas often as, uh, as a very peaceful, heartwarming experience, especially when we see nativity scenes and we see the baby being, being cradled by maybe Mary or Joseph. But this verse talks about Christ coming in power and glory. Power and glory of heaven, and like, like a ruler that's coming to not bring his people into exile and take them to prison, but to, to save them from opposition. When they say, when will these things happen? They're asking the question to Jesus, when will you save us, Jesus, in the future? What will be the sign? Is it going to be fireworks? Is it going to be stars falling from the sky? Is it going to be some cosmic event? And the answer is yes. There will be difficult times for us in the future in terms of when the, the end of the world comes and, and ultimately Christ will come and rescue us from that. But one of the answers that he gives us that isn't always future-based, but it's set in the past, something that he's already done. Christ has come in power and in glory. And we think of him as maybe a, an innocent baby, but it's his humility 
His humility and His love and His compassion for us that shows this power and glory. The power and glory comes from God. And the reason God gives Him this glory and this power is because of who He was and how He lived and why He came and how He came. And the same thing for you and the same thing for me is that we experience the power and the glory of heaven, this kingdom that God has set up through Christ when we are humble. Not when we go to war to fight for ourselves or what our kingdom is in this world, whether it's social or financial or whatever, the battles that we seek to face, the, 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 the people that we follow that say, I have the answer, I have the relief, I have the, res- the appropriate response to your problem, try to deceive us. The power and the glory that we seek and are often deceived by in other things can be found in the one true God through Jesus Christ who came in power and glory in the midst of his humility. Humility is such a difficult thing to learn. To put oneself in a place that maybe one doesn't deserve or they maybe is lower than what they should receive. But to do that because we have been put at the mountaintop of Christ. We've been put at the top of the mountain at the right hand of God with Christ, not because we earned it or we deserve it, because He's given it to us. And it starts with Christmas. So, He comes in power and glory from heaven, and an army of angels, in verse 27, fights for the people. They, they come and take the people out of their situation. They bring relief to the people of God to make the world right again. Ultimately, this story is a question about concern. Jesus tells them an issue that's coming in the future, and they're curious about their need. When will these things happen? What will be the sign? And how can we find relief? And Jesus warns us of these difficult times. But he also says that you might be deceived as you're looking for your answer to these issues at hand. And he calls us to be on our guard as we trust in Christ. Christ has come as a baby to save us and grows up as a man to live a humble life before us, ultimately giving himself to us. But this story also tells about the coming of Christ in the future. That as innocent and and as harmless as he seemed as a baby on Christmas morning when he was born, He will come in full glory and power in the position that He actually deserves. And at that time, He is here to bring things to justice. He's there to bring all the wrongdoing in the world to court. And it's our trust in Christ that gets us acquitted, that gets us declared not guilty. It's completely unjust to declare us non-guilty, unguilty. These things are coming. One way that we can respond appropriately, especially during this season, is to see Jesus as our answer. 
And I know that that sounds like a trite thing to say, especially in church, especially in, in late December. Jesus is the answer. But I think all of us know deep down that we have tried to find the answer in other things. All of us, whether it's pride, whether it's alcohol, whether it's money, whether it's a relationship, whether it's even convincing oneself that they're better than other people. We've all done various things that, that, that the Bible calls sin that have tried to bring us relief about the hard times that we're experiencing, especially this year when so much seems to be going wrong on so many levels. So many of us have been deceived to thinking that the answer lies somewhere else when God says, I've told you everything that you need to know. Through Christ, be on your guard. When will these things happen? The disciples asked. What will be the sign? I think these things are happening right now. But the sign starts at Christmas. The sign starts when Christ, God Himself, comes to this world to give Himself for us to be not only our relief, but the answer to everything that we have going wrong in this world and a kingdom that's against him. He gives of himself completely. Jesus warns us of these difficult times and he says that we might be deceived when we look for relief. But be on your guard as you trust in him through Christ. Amen. We normally have a, a, a short period of time where we reflect upon maybe the text or maybe where we are spiritually in the moment. I want to first, we will do that in a minute, but I wanted to introduce the Eucharist before. So we think about these things not just at the end of a sermon, but before we commit and participate in communion or the Eucharist. Christ gathered around him disciples, and they were celebrating. Ultimately, it was a Jewish celebration of the Passover, of the, the night that, that the angel passed over the Jews to, to defeat their enemies in Egypt, which caused them to be sent out of slavery, rescued out of slavery. And Jesus says that this is a new covenant, that this represents something else. It's on the night that the Jews were released from their their slavery but it's also the night that you and I were released from our slavery the night before Christ died which was the culmination of his ministry on earth this cup represents our communion with Christ it's not superstition it's not magical it's not some thing that we just do because we're here together on a Sunday it represents our connection with Christ's blood and body as a sacrifice for us. The cross was a curse upon Jesus, a curse that he took upon himself to save us. So when we eat or drink of this bread and wine without an actual trust and dependence on Christ for salvation, it's as if we're taking that curse of the cross upon us. 
And so I encourage you, friends, the reason that we're saving our reflection before we take the Eucharist is because it's so important that we take this in the appropriate way. And the way that is appropriate that Christ and Paul himself have warned us is to reflect. To reflect not on how guilty we are, but how graceful God is. To not reflect on how could God possibly love me, but thank you, God, for loving me through Christ. And if there's sin in your life, welcome to the club. That's why Christ has died. That's why we have the freedom to confess. That's why we take the Eucharist. That's why we celebrate Christmas. It's God amongst us. And what's special is because God is with you and with me. Now we can be in communion with each other, which is why we take this. This is why we have one cup. This is why we have one table that we all come to. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. In the same way, Jesus took the cup and he said, this is my blood shed for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your answer. We thank you for the relief that you've provided for us, which is yourself. And as we anticipate Christmas, as we anticipate uh, celebrating your birth and your coming to this world, God, I pray that we would see what you've provided for us that you love us, that you care for us, that your coming to this earth is a representation of your great concern for us. I pray that we wouldn't be deceived, that we wouldn't look for other things that we put in the place of you. Maybe it's even ourselves. God, I pray that we would look to the world and see its problems and see that the answer comes from the compassion of Christ from living like Him, to serving others, to being humble, to seeking to save, 
and help others in their sin, but through ultimately through your power, God. I pray that our, our lives would be full of peace and joy as we remember this season, as we remember what you've done and, and what you're doing now, even in this, this church in Vilnius. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, there's so many kingdoms that are at opposition, that are in opposition to you. There's so many things that, that, that are against your will. God, we see famines and wars and disagreements. We see violence. We see hatred. Even inside us, God, there's a war that's waging between our flesh and your spirit, God. We pray that you would come back. We pray that you would come back to this earth to make things right. But in the meantime, we pray that you would make things right inside of us. That we might go into the world and show this representation of God himself, which is you. I pray that our lives would show this, that, that we would demonstrate this to other people. But that it would start with our own hearts. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And God, I pray for a special grace upon us as we spend time with family over the holidays, or maybe it's just over Zoom, or maybe it's just with one other person. Whatever it may be, God, whatever, if, if it's different, if it's awkward, if it's weird, if it's, di if it's different than what we'd expect or what we want, God, I pray that we would have peace and that we would use that opportunity to live in a way that brings glory to you and that is open to what you're doing in our lives. I know that this is a strange way to have Christmas, especially in this season with so many strange things that are happening, God. God, give us joy and peace. And we pray these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer together as we close our prayers. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Receive the Lord's benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.